Chapter twenty six of Two Years Before the Mast. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Two Years Before the Mast by Richard Henry Dana, Jr. Chapter twenty six San Francisco. Our place of destination had been Monterey, but as we were to the northward of it when the wind hauled ahead, we made a fair wind for San Francisco. This large bay, which lies in latitude thirty-seven degrees, fifty-eight minutes, was discovered by Sir Francis Drake, and by him represented to be, as indeed it is, a magnificent bay, containing several good harbors, great depth of water, and surrounded by a fertile and finely wooded country. About thirty miles from the mouth of the bay, and on the southeast side, is a high point, upon which the Presidio is built. Behind this point is the little harbor, or bight, called Yerba Buena, in which trading vessels anchor, and near it the Mission of Dolores. There is no other habitation on this side of the bay, except a shanty of rough boards put up by a man named Richardson, who was doing a little trading between the vessels and Indians. Note, the next year Richardson built a one-story adobe house on the same spot, which was long afterwards known as the oldest house in the great city of San Francisco. End note. Here, at anchor, and the only vessel, was a brig under Russian colors, from Sitka, in Russian America, which had come down to winter, and to take in a supply of tallow and grain, great quantities of which latter article are raised in the missions at the head of the bay, the second day after our arrival we went on board the brig, it being Sunday, as a matter of curiosity, and there was enough there to gratify it. Though no larger than the Pilgrim, she had five or six officers, and a crew of between twenty and thirty, and such a stupid and greasy-looking set I never saw before. Although it was quite comfortable weather, and we had nothing on but straw hats, shirts, and duck trousers, and were barefooted, they had, every man of them, double-soled boots coming up to the knees, and well-greased, thick woolen trousers, frocks, waistcoats, pea-jackets, woolen caps, and everything in true Nova Zembla rig. And in the warmest days they made no change. The clothing of one of these men would weigh nearly as much as that of half our crew. They had brutish faces, looked like the antipodes of sailors, and apparently dealt in nothing but grease. They lived upon grease, ate it, drank it, slept in the midst of it, and their clothes were covered with it. To a Russian, grease is the greatest luxury. They look with greedy eyes upon the tallow bags as they were taken into the vessel, and no doubt would have eaten one up whole, had not the officer kept watch over it. The grease appeared to fill their pores, and to come out in their hair and on their faces. It seemed as if it were this saturation which makes them stand cold and rain so well. If they were to go into a warm climate, they would melt and die of scurvy. The vessel was no better than the crew. Everything was in the oldest and most inconvenient fashion possible. Running trusses and lifts on the yards, and large hawser cables coiled all over the deck, and served and parceled in all directions. 
The topmast, topgallant mast, and studding sail booms were nearly black for want of scraping, and the decks would have turned the stomach of a man of war's man. The galley was down in the forecastle, and there the crew lived, in the midst of the steam and grease of the cooking, in a place as hot as an oven, and apparently never cleaned out. Five minutes in the forecastle was enough for us, and we were glad to get into the open air. We made some trade with them, buying Indian curiosities, of which they had a great number, such as beadwork, feathers of birds, fur moccasins, etc. I purchased a large robe, made of the skins of some animal, dried and sewed nicely together, and covered all over on the outside with thick, downy feathers, taken from the breasts of various birds, and arranged with their different colors, so as to make a brilliant show. A few days after our arrival, the rainy season set in, and for three weeks it rained almost every hour without cessation. This was bad for our trade, for the collecting of hides is managed differently in this port from what it is in any other on the coast. The mission of Dolores, near the anchorage, has no trade at all, but those of San Jose, Santa Clara, and others situated on the large creeks or rivers which run into the bay, and distant between fifteen and forty miles from the anchorage, do a greater business in hides than any in California. Large boats, or launches, manned by Indians, and capable of carrying from five to six hundred hides apiece, are attached to the mission, and sent down to the vessels with hides, to bring away goods in return. Some of the crews of the vessels are obliged to go and come in the boats, to look out for the hides and the goods. These are favorite expeditions with the sailors in fine weather, but now, to be gone three or four days in open boats, in constant rain, without any shelter, and with cold food, was hard service. Two of our men went to Santa Clara in one of these boats, and were gone three days, during all which time they had constant rain, and did not sleep a wink, but passed three long nights walking fore and aft the boat in the open air. When they got on board, they were completely exhausted, and took a watch below of twelve hours. All the hides, too, that came down in the boats were soaked with water, and unfit to put below, so that we were obliged to trice them up to dry, in the intervals of sunshine or wind, upon all parts of the vessel. We got up tricing lines from the jib-boom end to each arm of the foreyard, and thence to the main and crawjack yard-arms. Between the tops, too, and the mastheads, from the fore to the main swifters, and thence to the mizzen rigging, and in all directions athwart ships, tricing lines were run, and strung with hides. The head stays and guys and the spritsail yard were lined, and having still more, we got out the swinging booms and strung them, and the forward and after guys with hides. The rail, fore and aft, the windlass, capstan, the sides of the ship, and every vacant place on deck were covered with wet hides on the least sign of an interval for drying. Our ship was nothing but a mass of hides from the cataprins to the water's edge, and from the jib-boom end to the taffrail. One cold rainy evening, about eight o'clock, I received orders to get ready to start for San Jose at four the next morning, in one of these Indian boats, with four days' provisions. 
I got my oilcloth clothes, sou'wester, and thick boots ready, and turned into my hammock early, determined to get some sleep in advance, as the boat was to be alongside before daybreak. I slept on till all hands were called in the morning, for, fortunately for me, the Indians, intentionally or from mistaking their orders, had gone off alone in the night, and were far out of sight. Thus I escaped three or four days of very uncomfortable service. Four of our men, a few days afterwards, went up in one of the quarter-boats to Santa Clara, to carry the agent, and remained out all night in a drenching rain in the small boat, in which there was not room for them to turn around, the agent having gone up to the mission and left the men to their fate, making no provision for their accommodation, and not even sending them anything to eat. After this they had to pull thirty miles, and when they got on board were so stiff that they could not come up the gangway ladder. This filled up the measure of the agent's unpopularity, and never after this could he get anything done for him by the crew, and many a delay and vexation, and many a good ducking in the surf, did he get to pay old scores, or square the yards with the bloody quill driver. Having collected nearly all the hides that were to be procured, we began our preparations for taking in a supply of wood and water, for both of which San Francisco is the best place on the coast. A small island about two leagues from the anchorage, called by us Wood Island, and by the Mexicans Isla de los Angeles, was covered with trees to the water's edge, and to this two of our crew, who were Kennebec men, and could handle an axe like a plaything, were sent every morning to cut wood, with two boys to pile it up for them. In about a week they had cut enough to last us a year, and the third mate, with myself and three others, were sent over in a large, schooner-rigged open launch, which we had hired of the mission, to take in the wood and bring it to the ship. We left the ship about noon, but owing to a strong headwind and a tide, which here runs four or five knots, did not get into the harbor, formed by two points of the island where the boats lie until sundown. No sooner had we come to than a strong southeaster, which had been threatening us all day, set in, with heavy rain and a chilly air. We were in rather a bad situation, an open boat, heavy rain, and long night. For in winter, in this latitude, it was dark nearly fifteen hours. Taking a small skiff, which we had brought with us, we went ashore, but discovered no shelter, for everything was open to the rain, and collecting a little wood, which we found by lifting up the leaves and brush, and a few mussels, we put aboard again, and made the best preparations in our power for passing the night. We unbent the mainsail and formed an awning with it, over the after part of the boat, made a bed of wet logs of wood, and, with our jackets on, lay down, about six o'clock to sleep. Finding the rain running down upon us, and our jackets getting wet through, and the rough, knotty logs rather indifferent couches, we turned out, and taking an iron pan, which we brought with us, we wiped it out dry, put some stones around it, cut the wet bark from some sticks, and striking a light, made a small fire in the pan. 
keeping some sticks near to dry and covering the whole over with a roof of boards we kept up a small fire by which we cooked our mussels and ate them rather for an occupation than for hunger still it was not ten o'clock and the night was long before us when one of the party produced an old pack of spanish cards from his monkey jacket pocket which we held as a great windfall and keeping a dim flickering light by our faggots we played game after game till one or two o'clock when becoming really tired we went to our logs again one sitting up at a time in turn to keep watch over the fire towards morning the rain ceased and the air became sensibly colder so that we found sleep impossible and sat up watching for daybreak no sooner was it light than we went ashore and began our preparations for loading our vessel we were not mistaken in the coldness of the weather for a white frost was on the ground a thing we had never seen before in california and one or two little puddles of fresh water were skimmed over with a thin coat of ice in this state of the weather and before sunrise in the gray of the morning we had to wade off nearly up to our hips in water to load the skiff with the wood by armfuls the third mate remained on board the launch two more men stayed in the skiff to load and manage it and all the water-work as usual fell upon the two youngest of us and there we were with frost upon the ground wading forward and back from the beach to the boat with armfuls of wood barefooted and our trousers rolled up when the skiff went off with her load we could only keep our feet from freezing by racing up and down the beach on the hard sand as fast as we could go we were all day at this work and towards sundown having loaded the vessel as deep as she would bear we hove up our anchor and made sail beating out of the bay no sooner had we got into the large bay than we found a strong tide setting us out to seaward a thick fog which prevented our seeing the ship and a breeze too light to set us against the tide for we were as deep as a sand barge by the utmost exertions we saved ourselves from being carried out and were glad to reach the leewardmost point to sea of the island where we came to and prepared to pass another night more uncomfortable than the first for we were loaded up to the gunwale and had only a choice among logs and sticks for a resting place the next morning we made sail at slack water with a fair wind and got on board by eleven o'clock when all hands were turned to to unload and stow away the wood which took till night having now taken in all our wood the next morning a water party was ordered off with the casks from this we escaped having had a pretty good siege with the wooding the water party were gone three days during which time they narrowly escaped being carried out to sea and passed one day on an island where one of them shot a deer great numbers of which overrun the islands and hills of san francisco bay while not off on these wood and water parties or up the rivers to the missions we had easy times on board the ship we were moored stem and stern within a cable's length of the shore safe from southeasters and with little boating to do and as it rained nearly all the time awnings were put over the hatchways and all hands sent down between decks where we were at work day after day picking oakum until we got enough to caulk the ship all 
over and to last the whole voyage. Then we made a whole suit of gaskets for the voyage home, a pair of wheel ropes from strips of green hide, great quantities of spun yarn, and everything else that could be made between decks. It being now midwinter and in high latitude, the nights were very long, so that we were not turned to until seven in the morning, and were obliged to knock off at five in the evening when we got supper, which gave us nearly three hours before eight bells, at which time the watch was set. As we had now been about a year on the coast, it was time to think of the voyage home, and, knowing that the last two or three months of our stay would be very busy ones, and that we should never have so good an opportunity to work for ourselves as the present, we all employed our evenings in making clothes for the passage home, and more especially for Cape Horn. As soon as supper was over and the kids cleared away, and each man had taken up his smoke, we seated ourselves on our chest round the lamp, which swung from a beam, and went to work, each in his own way, some making hats, others trousers, others jackets, etc., etc., and no one was idle. The boys who could not sew well enough to make their own clothes laid up grass into sinnet for the men, who sewed for them in return. Several of us clubbed together, and bought a large piece of twilled cotton, which we made into trousers and jackets, and, giving them several coats of linseed oil, laid them by for Cape Horn. I also sewed and covered a tarpaulin hat, thick and strong enough to sit upon, and made myself a complete suit of flannel underclothing for bad weather. Those who had no sou'wester caps made them, and several of the crew got up for themselves tarpaulin jackets and trousers, lined on the inside with flannel. Industry was the order of the day, and every one did something for himself, for we knew that as the season advanced, and we went farther south, we should have no evenings to work in. Friday, December 25th. This day was Christmas, and as it rained all day long, and there were no hides to take in, and nothing special to do, the captain gave us a holiday the first we had had, except Sundays, since leaving Boston, and plumbed up for dinner. The Russian brig, following the old style, had celebrated their Christmas eleven days before, when they had a grand blow-out, and, as our men said, drank in the forecastle a barrel of gin, ate up a bag of tallow, and made a soup of the skin. Sunday, December 27th. We had now finished all our business at this port, and, it being Sunday, we unmoored ship and got under way, firing a salute to the Russian brig, and another to the Presidio, which were both answered. The commandant of the Presidio, Don Guadalupe Vallejo, a young man, and the most popular among the Americans and English, of any man in California, was on board when we got under way. He spoke English very well, and was suspected of being favorably inclined to foreigners. We sailed down this magnificent bay with a light wind, and tide, which was running out, carrying us at the rate of four or five knots. It was a fine day, the first of entire sunshine we had had for more than a month. We passed directly under the high cliff on which the Presidio was built, and stood into the middle of the bay, from whence we could see small bays making up into the interior, large and beautifully wooded islands and the mouths of several small rivers. 
if california ever becomes a prosperous country this bay will be the center of its prosperity the abundance of wood and water the extreme fertility of its shores the excellence of its climate which is as near to being perfect as any in the world and its facilities for navigation affording the best anchoring grounds in the whole western coast of america all fit it for a place of great importance the tide leaving us we came to anchor near the mouth of the bay under a high and beautifully sloping hill upon which herds of hundreds and hundreds of red deer and the stag with his high branching antlers were bounding about looking at us for a moment and then starting off affrighted at the noises which we made for the purpose of seeing the variety of their beautiful attitudes and motions at midnight the tide having turned we hove up our anchor and stood out of the bay with a fine starry heaven above us the first we had seen for many weeks before the light northerly winds which blow here with the regularity of trades we worked slowly along and made point ana nuevo the northerly point of the bay of monterey on monday afternoon we spoke going in the brig diana of the sandwich islands from the northwest coast, last from Sitka. She was off the point at the same time with us, but did not get into the anchoring ground until an hour or two after us. It was ten o'clock on Tuesday morning when we came to anchor. Monterey looked just as it did when I saw it last, which was eleven months before, in the brig Pilgrim. The pretty lawn on which it stands, as green as sun and rain could make it, the pine wood on the south, and small river on the north side, the adobe houses with their white walls and red-tiled roofs dotted about on the green, the low white presidio with its soiled tricolored flag flying, and the discordant din of drums and trumpets of the noon parade, all brought up the scene we had witnessed here with so much pleasure nearly a year before, when coming from a long voyage, and from our unprepossessing reception at Santa Barbara, it seemed almost like coming to a home. End of chapter 26